Hello and welcome to the Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Mika. And this is a music history podcast. I don't remember what I say here. We've never had it nailed down. We need to just like have a script and just like tape it to the table. Like this is what we say for our intro. This, um, but or w- that would give off a professional <laughs> vibe. Our this intro. is not a good professional situation I disagree. happening. I think we are complete professionals, which you can see by the fact that we have uploaded consistently hey. for the past few months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry we were out. We were doing Christmas stuff and then a little act of domestic terrorism then knocked out bombed. our internet for a weekend so we couldn't record. But we're back. And we're back. happy one year anniversary of our podcast soon. I don't know the exact no, date. No, 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 no. We started in March. Did we? I thought we started in January. I don't think March is so. when the uh, pandemic started. Did we do this before the pandemic? Yeah, because we did it before we went to see Hamilton. Which <gasps> I specifically That's right. That. And we went in January. Uh, January 14th was when we uploaded our introduction episode. Whoa. So this will be up pretty close to that. Whoa. So <laughs> happy one year anniversary of being a podcast. And host. I'm still dumb. <laughs> but you know more about music, which is the goal. And you're not dumb. Minutely more. You know who Izzy is now. So cute. (laughs) You know about minstrelsy. Yeah. I'm so glad (laughs) that I know about minstrelsy. I am. Yeah. It's important to know. So we've had a fun year. We're getting into more modern topics. So hopefully you'll care a little bit more about this stuff coming up. Yeah. It might stick a little better. I'm going to turn on the Christmas tree. (laughs) I honestly don't it's care january 5th <laughs> it's weird because i normally am very like seasonally aware like i want to celebrate it until it's done and then i'm done well we're not done with it yet we're not done with it yet so sorry we haven't been around we've been a little busy and preoccupied but hopefully we'll be a little bit more consistent over the next few months as like holidays and stuff wear down so there's not as many distractions we can record a little bit more judging like Obviously, based around Mika's work schedule, because saving the lives of babies is a little bit more important than our podcast. Well, you say multiple times a day recently that I don't have a job anymore. She gets called off at least once every five shifts. That's the joys of working in a children's hospital when they're not doing surgeries, because we don't have the same COVID volume as the poor adult hospital. So sorry, adult nurses. But follow us on social media, mostly Twitter, because basically all we post on Facebook is episode announcements. So, like, you won't get any updates on there. But if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get to see if we're, like, missing a week or a couple weeks or whatever. Yeah, and you'll get to hear my excuse. (laughs) Yeah. So, what is our Twitter handle? Do you remember it? It's soundofhistory underscore. Yes. And I really, really want access to the Twitter account. I sent you the login a while ago. You I don't did? It. Yeah, like when I first started it back in last in December. In the email or in a text? I don't remember. I mean, Probably I can find text. it and just send it again. I Please. don't remember what the login is. And say I really want in. I'm scared of giving you access. But I want to post. <laughs> I mean, post. someone needs to post on there. So I, I'll I let will. You post. Listen, it will be <laughs> not nearly as curated as your whole, like, music situation <laughs> stuff i'm gonna be posting just dumb stuff okay anyway we are five minutes in okay. <laughs> now we need to get to mika's the host now mika is a host it's been a while now. so i'm sure you have things built up so i don't what do you want to tell us today i 
threw a few things down in my my note of like things that I like. Um, I landed on. Um, I would like to plug bookstores. I like that because we went to a small. Li- well, it's not really that small. We went to it's a smaller than to like Barnes and, and Nobles yeah. or Amazon. It's, yeah, we went to an in-person, brick-and-mortar, locally owned bookstore. Independent bookstore, as they're known in the biz. Okay. <laughs> and it was lovely. And they had a ladder that you could, like, climb. Well, I couldn't. But, like, if I worked there, you could, like, climb up. And it was, like, on a run track thing. So it, it's, like, Beauty and the Beast where it goes, goes, except for it doesn't move if you're, like, on it. But it was really cool. It was cool. It was a cool little book. And it was just so nice, and everyone was Parnassus happy to be books. there. Parnassus, yeah. If you're in Nashville, Parnassus Books. And Ev- they're hiring right now. So oh, wow. I followed them on Twitter. So Aww. I saw that they're hiring for a bookseller. That's awesome. position. So, you know, if you're looking. That sounds really nice. I follow Hemingway's on Instagram. <laughs> Me too. Nice. Anyway, it was lovely. We went on Christmas Eve and people are happy to be there, or at least they did a really convincing job of acting like it, which was so precious. And it was just really lovely. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I would like to plug that is why I asked you if you'd post about it. Oh, no. Post the link about it. You know what it is. I don't. There is this... Um, shop on etsy where if you send her pictures she will crop out like the head and put it on a mug and so we got i got nick a mug that just has our cat's faces on it in like a repeating pattern and they look so derpy and it's the best thing ever and we did um the same thing for his mom and we put our niece and our nephew on this mug and I cannot wait for her to open it up and see just like their faces <laughs> on this mug. It's so great. I it am great. beyond happy. She did a lovely job. It's it's so great. Highly worth it. Cool. Yeah. Is that all you wanted to plug? If you also wanna do the thirty days of yoga on yoga with adrian with me i'm doing it i'm i've done five days in a row so proud i don't know who i am i'm sure and i'm going to give myself grace for if when i inevitably miss a day but it's really cool to be doing it with like the other people who do yoga it's like if you want to do it with me come on i'm not going to be doing it so to add on to your segment an update from one of your previous segments i'm nervous what (laughs) did i do wrong No, no no we plugged a few weeks ago, it might have been the last episode, a local independent radio station that I was, was struggling. going to update about that. Okay, yeah. continue. And they posted recently that thanks to the generous donations and the offers and everything, they're able to stay online through 2021. So that's exciting. So, Yay! you know, on the off chance that someone listening helped, thank you. All right, well. Is, is that, that the correction corner? No, no, no. That wasn't the, the correction corner. Is at the end. We messed up oh. something last week. So if you want to know what we got wrong, what Mika got wrong, oh, oh <laughs> I have to wait the whole list, time. Listen to the whole episode, no, and then we'll have a correction I, corner at the end. What did I do? <laughs> what dumbass thing did I say? It was it was kind of not great. Oh, oh no! What did I say? <laughs> we'll get there. 
I'm so nervous. We're bringing nervous. back Correction Corner at the end of this I'm episode. I'm really nervous. So. I'm really, really nervous. You might have right. to tell me before we get there. Nope. All right. Well, no. <laughs> are you ready to get in the episode no, so we can I'm get there not. faster? I need you to tell me. Oh do you want to do Correction Corner earlier and stop people from listening? Was it wasn't insensitive? Was it dumb? Was well, it a dumb it white girl thing to say? No, 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 no. Nothing like that. It was about a white guy. So you're okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't like it. I'm so nervous. Okay. Well, we're going to get in the episode then so we can get there faster. Oh, I hate this so what much. Do you this is why I don't tell people that we record a podcast because <laughs> I'm dumb. You're not dumb. Honestly, it was a fair assumption to make. You were just wrong about it. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. So, what do you remember about what we've been talking about in the past few episodes? If you think I'm thinking about anything else We're right on now. the road to something. What are we on the road to? Well, I, you told me, I think, that we're doing country. Yeah, but like... Oh, rock and roll. Yeah. We're building up to rock and roll. We're talking about all the different influences that kind of like rock and roll is kind of birthed out of. And today, we're going to be talking about country music. I have in the script here something that I don't think you're going to answer. I have so what do you remember about the first episode on country music cuz this was te- this is our second oh, episode. Oh, hell no. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't think you know anything. I don't think you remember is it anything. Is like We talked about the a Opry. special like form of guitar playing. There was Carter picking. That was a thing we talked about. But okay. That was in the Carters episode which was kind of tied to country, but not really. I remember the Carters. I don't remember. We talked about. That, I don't think the Bristol sessions where that guy came to Bristol and recorded. Is that singers. country? Yeah, that was the official birth of country music. Was the Bristol sessions, Man, which is think why I remember that. Yeah, which is why Bristol is called the birthplace of country music because it was the first place it was recorded, and all that stuff. Why can I not remember that? I mean, it was a long time ago. Yeah, but you like don't remember things Bristol. we talked about last week. We didn't talk about anything last week. <laughs> Whatever. The last we time. don't communicate outside <laughs> of this hour that it takes us to record this. So we're doing, if you haven't guessed, we're doing country music part two because country music actually has a big part to play in the birth of rock and roll. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. Country music, at least at the beginning, is normally broken down into generations. We talked a lot about the like first. Pokemon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's weird that that's where <laughs> your mind went, but okay. <laughs> We talked a lot about the first generation of country music. The second generation brought out quite a few different variations of country music, including things like western swing, cowboy music, and a few others. I remember cowboy music. Yeah, like we hinted at it a little bit, but we didn't really like go into it, so we'll talk a little bit more about it for a second, if that's okay with you. What's the kind of music that is um, the type of music that happens... Oh, boy. This is going to be <laughs> real hard for me to answer. I can already no, tell. No, no. Like, I was adamant, absolutely adamant that this type of music happened in, like, a Western bar. Ragtime. Okay. That was, like, episode four. You're digging deep That just sounds like that. circus. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I think cowboy music, I mean, my mind jumps there. Can you blame me? No, not really. But we're, yeah, it was more like Gene Autry, like Plains type music that we were talking more about okay. than that. In the late 1920s, a new kind of music started to emerge out of Texas and Louisiana. Was it Texarkana? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's included, but it blended the hillbilly music style with big dance bands happening all over the country. This style of music would eventually become known as Western Swing, but before swing was a commonly used musical term, it was called Western Dance Music or Texas Dance Bands. I'm sorry, Texas Dance Bands? Bands, with a B. No, Bands. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's Texas Dance Bands now. No, not Pants. Bands. Bands? Yes, like dance, but with a B, because that's what I thought you said. That was like, no, they did not call that's it not that. It's not even a word. That That's why I was surprised. I thought you said Texas dance pants. And I was like, that's that would be that's comical. an interesting style choice. But Texas dance pants. Okay, fine. It's like dance pants, revel. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of music incorporated drums for the first time in country, as well as pianos, saxophones, and steel guitars that were borrowed from Hawaii. I mean, I don't know how to, like, explain it without, like, playing I you an example of it. I know what the steel drums are, but that's it. I mean, it's... Like, I don't know how to... It's a steel guitar is any guitar played while moving a steel bar or similar hard object hard object against plucked strings. So it's like you, so like, sli- it c- like, slide guitar, it's like sort a, of. Okay. Like, here's an example. That's what it looks like, where it's, like, laid oh. flat, that kind of thing. Fancy. Like a slide guitar is basically the same thing. You just hold it, I think. I mean, I'm not a guitarist. I don't know, but whatever. Maybe we'll have a connection or correction corner next episode. Western Swing started in the Plains in the late 20s through the mid-30s. It started at barn dances where guitarists and fiddlers would play for dancers, obviously. In 1931, two out-of-work musicians named Bob Willis and Milton Brown approached the head of a company with an idea to link radio and advertising. They sound like guys in an old movie. I mean, probably. Like, can't you just hear someone yelling at Willis before he, like, quits his job? <laughs> sure. Just yeah. those names. Yeah. They just are, like, Bob quintessential. And Brown. Yeah, that's very... I mean, they might be showbiz names. That might not be their real names. Who knows? Anyway. So their idea was basically that they'd create a band to play on radio stations and advertise for the company at the same time. So basically, they would play jingles. The company agreed and hired Willis and Brown to form a band to promote the company's new light crust flower. <laughs> What's that look? What are you, <laughs> you going to say? Just this is this is part of the origin of country. Of Western swing, yes, not country. Country's already a big thing at this point. This is just so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Just wait. Oh no. So. The Light Crust Doughboys were formed. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's their band name. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm picturing, like, the Pillsbury Doughboy, but with, like, a little bit of color on him. In a cowboy hat. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> so, the Light uh, the light Crust Doughboys were the first... <laughs> they were the first professional Western swing band. Bob Willis and Milton Brown are now known as pioneers of Western swing and were massively influential in launching this genre. I can't. They sound so great. Like, their names <laughs> sound so great. And then the band name <laughs> sounds like a freaking Geico commercial or something. I don't know. The original band disbanded over 10 years later after launching the careers of several key musicians. They had a massive impact on this genre and are actually still around today in some variation. 
What? I, I don't know if Bob Willis and Melton Brown are still doing it. So I can look them up on Spotify, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if they weren't still around, you probably could. But first, right. do you want to hear one of their songs? Crossed. Sure. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 939 monthly listeners. Here's a song. Oh, no. It's video unavailable. Hold on. Oh, no. I gotta look no. It up. Oh, the third most popular song is called Pussy, Pussy, Pussy. <laughs> Meow. 2016. So here's they their song an album. called I Want a Feller. They are very adamant that this is 1940. <laughs> yeah, they want you to know. It's 1940. It's just like a picture of this lead. It's actually a very pleasant picture. A little bit of a boring tune so far. Yeah. It's it's nice background music. I mean, it's like a barn dance. I mean, you just go and dance. I want a feller. I want a feller to hold my hand and croon. If I had a feller, it'd be so swell. Alright, well that's like Presto Boys with I Want a Feller. Anyway, I was trying to say there was like a 1940 written on the picture of this lady like three times. So Western Swing reached the height of its popularity in the 40s during the World War II. You don't say the 1940s? Well, we're in the Like 19- when that song was? <laughs> <laughs> the the Doughboys radio broadcast went out to almost 200 stations, and their music was heard by millions of people. Bob Willis started another group called the Texas Playboys that were incredibly popular and played nightly at a large club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's a more club-appropriate name. That's actually a, like, I have heard of the Texas Playboys before writing this, so I'm guessing they're still doing stuff. Western Swing was massively influential in a few different genres within country music. They popularized the use of amplified electric instruments. And as you'll remember, like, that's kind of like, was all like also rock. happening in blues at the, around the same time. People yeah. were, in Chicago, were starting to use electric instruments at the same time. They included drums to bring out a strong backbeat, which is what rock music is known for. And they started doing jazz and blues-style solos within performances. Basically, it took country music and it modernized it, matching it a bit to what jazz and blues was also starting to do around the same time. You've got a weird look on your face. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that country music is boring to me. Also in the 30s and 40s, cowboy movies got really popular in Hollywood. Now I'm interested. (laughs) And started a bit of a cowboy country music phase. These movies were super popular because of people like Gene Autry and Roy Rogers, who became superstars. Sounds about right. I mean, I know like Bing Crosby loved this stuff, which I might mention later. I don't remember. I wrote this four months ago, five months ago. Roy Rogers, known as the King of the Cowboys, started as a musician, but was able to turn that into a successful acting career. As they do. Yep. A lot of the key songs for this genre were written for movies and pressed onto vinyl as part of the soundtrack. It's better than written for jingles. (laughs) Yeah. 
So where Western Swing was country's answer to big jazz bands, cowboy music was country's answer to crooners. That makes sense. Bing Crosby was a huge fan of these kind of like cowboy crooner songs. Do you want to hear an example of this kind of music? Yeah, I want to hear an example. I want a cowboy to croon to me. Well, here's Roy Rogers in a movie from 1944. No, I want Gene Autry. Nope, it's Roy Rogers. Oh. That was dramatic. He's on a horse. Getting a chance to be here at the Hollywood Canteen, meet you all in person, and say howdy to you. This is Trigger's way of saying hello. What's the name of the movie? Howdy. Okay, oh, it's, like a, it's bowing. That horse is so well behaved. <laughs> Will you give me a kiss? How about me? I n- never Just want one. to receive a horse <laughs> kiss. That's kiss. horrible. This is way more polished than the country music that came before it. Like, this is very... The horse is kissing him. Like, no actual cowboy would dress like that, and no actual cowboy would probably... He has two belts on. I need to just... (laughs) He has two belts on. I want him to sing. Come on, Roy. I'm enjoying this. I don't know what you're talking about. Cap Willie, looking mighty pale, was standing by the sheriff's side. And when big that guitar. sheriff said, I'm sending you to jail, Wildcat raised his head and cried, Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening That's breeze, actually pretty cute. And, listen to and the also cringy. And also cringy. Send me off forever, but I ask you, please. Yeah, like he just sounds like a crooner. He sounds like yeah. a crooner singing country music themes. Kind of like country music today, just pop singers singing country themes. Alright, well, that was Roy Rogers. Are you going to talk about, like, like uh, real country singers? <laughs> Maybe not in this episode. That, like, do, do unique things. So at the same time as all this was happening, Female singers called cowgirls started to get popular as well. Yeehaw. Patsy Montana was born into a poor family of 10 children. I'm sorry. Patsy Montana. Yes. Sounds like Hannah Montana's great great grandmother. <laughs> that, I mean, they may, might have taken the name a little bit from her. No, because she was supposed to be called something else, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll but talk about it. Was like taken, it was like taken by a porn star or something. I don't know. This oh is just boy. stuff that I see <laughs> on, the, on like the Instagram for you page, you know, <laughs> where like you don't know if it's real or not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well Pat- Patsy Montana was born into a poor family of 10 children. She was a good fiddler and guitarist and won a few talent competitions after moving to Los Angeles. For a brief period of time, she formed a group of two other women called the Montana Cowgirls. But when they disbanded, she had to move back to Arkansas. But she was discovered at a show in Louisiana by a high-ranking talent scout with RCA Victor Records, which was one of the biggest record companies at that time. I like how you have to just keep reminding me. Yeah, I mean, you don't remember anything. I did, kind of. (laughs) She was placed on the Kentucky Ramblers and started to make a name for herself with intense touring and performing. What's the Kentucky Ramblers? It was just a country group that was going around. Okay. In 1935, after a recording session in New York, Patsy released what would become her signature song, I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart. That's all a girl ever wants. (laughs) Well, that song would open the door for women to have successful solo careers in country music. I guess that's cool. 
It was the first song by a female country artist to sell over a million copies. All right, Patsy. And it was chosen as one of the 100 best Western songs of all time. Oh. Patsy never hit the heights of that song again. She continued to tour and release music until retiring in 1952. She tried for a little bit of a comeback in 1964 with an album, but other than featuring Waylon Jennings on guitar before he became a superstar in his own right, the album didn't really do much. Like, no one cared that much about it. But her history-making song was super important as a way to bring women into country music in brand new ways. Love it. Do you want to hear I Want to yes, Be a Cowboy Sweetheart? Yes, I want to hear I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart. Right, well, here's Patsy Montana with I Want to Be a Cowboy Patsy Sweetheart. Patsy Montana, though. <laughs> Oh, she's cute. This is already way better. I want to be a cowboy sweetheart. I want to learn to rope and to ride. I want to ride o'er the plains and the desert. Out west of the great divide. I want to hear the coyotes while the sun sinks in the west I want to be a cowboy sweetheart That's the life that I love best right. So I want to be a cowboy sweetheart by Patsy Montana The first like massive single by a female country artist Nick What? I want to be my sweetheart <laughs> I'm not a cowboy though well, You better go get you a hat <laughs> some boots and go line dancing with me let's that's go that's what it takes to be a cowboy not the cows <laughs> <laughs> you like need a horse <laughs> but you know i have a few friends that could hook you up i do okay <laughs> so near the end of world war ii a guy named bill monroe introduced nationally what became known as bluegrass I like bluegrass. Well, For all the crap that I give country music, I've always genuinely enjoyed bluegrass. It's interesting, because I'm the opposite. I do not like bluegrass at all, but I can I can like some country songs. I think it's because bluegrass to me is a lot more instrumental focused. And when I that's think true. country, I don't like instrumental music, so that's fair. When I think country, I think dumb. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, well, bluegrass will probably be its own episode in its own right later, Aww. so we're not going to talk about that much here. I need to stop hating on country music so much because let's be real, I don't really know country music very well. There's some really good country. Yeah. So the mid-1940s also saw the emergence of honky-tonk music. I do know (laughs) honky-tonks. This had its origins in Western swing. Bob Willis and his Texas Playboys were big honky-tonk players. You remember when we talked about them a second ago? Yeah, I remember the Texas Playboys. And... Uh, this type of music skyrocketed in popularity because of people like Hank Williams and Lefty Frizzle. Who? Lefty Frizzle. Not important. We'll move on. (laughs) I want to know how he's related to Miss Frizzle. Probably not at all. I think that he is. Okay. You can think that. It was a more stripped down and raw style of music that came from Texas and Mexico probably a little bit different than the honky-tonk music you're used to. Yeah, because the honky-tonk that I'm used to is playing Florida Georgia Line. (laughs) Yeah, it's different than (laughs) that. It's a kind of hodgepodge of music, and it has been described as, quote, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of black and a little bit of white, just loud enough to keep you from thinking too much and to go right on ordering the whiskey, end quote. 
that's great marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This type of country would normally be found in bar rooms and is now kind of known as traditional country. Like, it's the old school stuff. Hank Williams, in particular, was hugely influential. Although Lefty Frizzle might have been more popular within country music circles, Hank Williams had a huge impact on rock and roll. He inspired people like Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Ike Turner. In the early 1950s, Honky Tonk entered its golden years, but it was soon beat out by rockabilly music. All right, well, here's Hank Williams singing his song, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. That's a vibe. Here's that lonesome whippoorwill. He sounds too blue to fly. The midnight train is whining low. I'm so Look at his jacket. His jacket had a whole bunch of music notes on it. I've never seen a night so cool. It's like on the lapels. When time goes crawling by. The moon just went. Behind the clouds <laughs> to hide its and? face and cry. I do, I don't, I mean, I do not want to listen to any more of this. <laughs> I appreciate the sentiment. That's way different. Do that picture? Yeah. That's Hank Williams, I think. Is he next episode? Yeah, we talk about Hank Williams next episode. Do we talk about his stylist? No. Dang. Pretty much in direct contrast to Honky Tonk, in the 50s and 60s, the Nashville sound polished up country music and merged it with the big band sound. That's us! Yep. I thought you might find this a little interesting just because it's like what Nashville is known for. It was pioneered by a few different record label executives from RCA, DECA, Mm -hmm. and Columbia. They replaced the steel guitars and fiddles with cleaner elements like string sections, background vocals, and a more crooning style of lead vocals. It was a lot more pop music influence than the honky-tonk sound. I can see those influences now. So honky-tonk was like authentic, real country music, and the Nashville sound was like radio country music. (laughs) Nashville made it. Yep. (laughs) Most of the top labels use a group of studio musicians known as the Nashville A-Team. That's cute. Who ended up backing legendary musicians like Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Bob Dylan, and Patsy Cline. That's actually kind of cute. Yeah. These musicians had a background in country music, but were incredibly versatile and adaptable, making them the perfect group to blend country with jazz. I hope that they were like appreciated and compensated because that's such a I huge think they deal. Because that's the thing, like even in pop music, like Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys guys, there's mm-hmm. a really popular group of studio musicians who he used a lot, and mm-hmm. like they were really well known as being like the best musicians around, and they would just come in and like kill your album and then move on. That's like, so. That's just what they did. How fun! Yeah. How really fun! Cool. That's got to be so cool for a very like musically. Yeah. Um, technically inclined mm-hmm. person, like who really just loves like the art and not like the everything. Because of the incredible talent and records made with the Nashville A team, 
Nashville nosed out Los Angeles to become the second biggest city for audio recording in the country. Take that, L.A. <laughs> a primary producer of the Nashville Sound once said about it, quote, Now we've cut out the fiddle and steel guitar and added choruses to country music, but it can't stop there. It always has to keep developing to keep fresh. That End quote. sounds just like Nashville. <laughs> just keep developing. Yep. The Nashville Sound helped diversify country music, reach new audiences, and sort of helped keep it alive. Before the success of the Nashville Sound, country had a bit of a commercially poor period. So the explosion of the Nashville Sound brought new life to the industry. Which makes sense, because like, that kind of raw country fiddle, like that's going to only appeal to a small niche market for a certain amount of time before you need something fresh. So at least this, like, yeah, more people up north and stuff got to listen to country and like it, and it kept the industry afloat. So that's a good thing. In the 1960s, the Nashville sound collapsed and became known as Countrypolitan. Instead of Cosmopolitan, it was Countrypolitan. That is very apt. <laughs> different people point to different songs that they say were the first Nashville sound song. So we'll just, we're just going to listen to one of them. Yes. It's called Gone by a guy named Ferlin Husky. That literally sounds like it could be a new release this week. Yep. Sounds very Elvis. The sun, the stars in the sky know the reason why I hear those background vocals. I do. It's also kind of like a little bit, yeah. Now you've gone. You're liking the Nashville sound? I'm, I'm honestly just liking the background vocals. <laughs> See, this is what this is what it did. Brought in people like you. Don't like country music. You find something to like I in will, it. I, I guess that's true. Yep. That's the beauty of the Nashville sound. All right. Well, that was Ferlin Husky with a song called Gone. Yeah, so the Nashville sound basically just... Added different elements into country music to make it a little bit, a little bit more accessible to people who weren't hillbillies. Since That's a woo tom. <laughs> is it? No, I don't know. I feel like I can say it because I'm from Bristol. So I feel like even if it is rude, I'm allowed to say it. We're going to move on now. Okay. <laughs> Since this is part of our series moving towards rock and roll, we're going to talk briefly about a genre called rockabilly. But not a lot, just kind of touch on it. Rockabilly reached the heights of its popularity in the 1950s. In fact, one of the first superstars in rock and roll, a guy named Bill Haley, started out as a Western yodeler and then repurposed his band into a rockabilly band called Bill, ha Bill Haley and the Comets. What? I want to name a Billy Goat Rockabilly. <laughs> okay, so you're going to have to get a Billy Goat first. I don't want a Billy Goat. Well, I mean, how are you going to name a Billy Goat Rockabilly then? If we get another cat, can I name it Rockabilly? <laughs> so we're going to have two cats named after Greek mythical heroes and then Rockabilly. Yes. <laughs> that poor cat. <laughs> okay, where were we? Sorry. So Bill Haley in the comments. His song in 1954 called Rock Around the Clock was one of the first successful rock songs in history. I know that. Yeah, I figured you would know that one. 
We're going to do bonus episode on Elvis soon because he's like quintessential rockabilly. So we'll get a better idea of what it was then. But for now, we'll just play one of his songs and just kind of be done with rockabilly. So here's Elvis is kind of like a this is rockabilly, basically. Maybe a little bit more rock, but I think we'll hear it in the rock episode. If I remember correctly, this was Elvis' first recorded song. I just wrote his episode, said I should know that better, but I think this was it. Is it that you don't like Elvis? I feel like that's a very common, controversial opinion. Like, I can appreciate, I can, I can hear the cool elements of his mm-hmm. music. I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. The hips, great. <laughs> but, like... I've never cared about him. Like, it's alright. I respect what he did. There's a lot of people, especially nowadays, who really don't like him. Because... They think he just kind of stole everything from African Americans. But we'll talk about that more in his bonus episode. So keep stay tuned, and then we'll get there. But for now, that was Elvis Presley. He like and died, right? That he what? He like had a vagal response and then died. I don't know what that means. Like he he tried to poop and then he died. Yes. So his heart his heart rate dropped. He had severe constipation and a whole bunch of other things due to like abusing drugs for a long time. And then he, like, because of the constipation, he had a heart failure because he was trying to poop. And then died on the toilet. That's one of the ways that you can get out of a a fast arrhythmia. By dying? That is one (laughs) way. (laughs) But, like, you, like, tell people who are old enough, like, act like you're trying to poop. And it slows your heart down. So, like, it. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he. That's how he died. But we'll get there. We'll talk a lot about Elvis. And, like, I know you don't like him, but it's a pretty interesting story. Can we talk about more about what the drugs did to his heart? I don't know. I don't know how much we get into that. I think a little bit, but not a whole lot. Cool. But, yeah. So, if you think rockabilly, just think Elvis. Like, that type of music is rockabilly, basically. I want to think about It's Billy. rock mixed with hillbilly. Because Billy was the rockabilly guy. <laughs> so, this is, like, by no means the end of country music. Country has a long way to go. But we're focusing on the 40s through the 50s, kind of this, like, second generation where, like, country is starting to branch out and be a whole bunch of different things to a whole bunch of different people. So, like, and we're doing that as we build up to rock and roll, and that's, like, the period that influenced the birth of rock and roll. So we're going to, we're just going to kind of stop now. In the next episode on country, we'll talk about outlaw country and other styles that emerged around it. Is that, like, the antithesis of cowboy country? I mean, I guess it's like Johnny Cash. It's like the, it's, okay. it's bad boy country. It's the <laughs> I'm getting it's the only kind of country I like. <laughs> <laughs> so next week we're gonna talk about Hank Williams, who is one of the most influential singer songwriters of the whole entire 20th century. I thought someone was entering our apartment. Nope, better not be. Okay, so that's country music part two. What'd you think of it? It wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be, was it? Lightly crusted doughboys? <laughs> Light crust doughboys, yeah. At least you like know a little bit more of the heritage of it. Like you know what the Nashville sound is. You yeah. know a little bit more about like this era, this area, and yeah. what it did. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. 
it is it is kind of funny to me that like Nashville like commercialized a little bit yeah. like country music like that's no. I think seems just it makes so much sense because I feel like when people think of Nashville now they think of like a bastion of traditional country and like this is where mm-hmm. this is the country music capital this is like but like no we're the f- no we're the country music capital because we commercialized it yeah which is <laughs> just, just kind of funny to and me. now you can go on pedal taverns and listen to your yep Florida Georgia Lion has a house here as well as Kid Rock. Okay, well, you ready for correction corner? Tell me what I said. <laughs> oh my, actually, do I really want to know? Yeah, it's not that bad. It's fine. I'm so nervous. So, in the uh, Little Richard episode, do you remember Little Richard? Yeah, I remember Little Richard. We talked about a guy named Pat Boone. Okay. And how, in order to appeal to wide audiences, Record labels would have Pat Boone cover Little Richard's songs and okay. make it like okay more toned down and I kind of remember this. You changed the lyrics a little bit, yeah, but it was just more like I don't know, more mainstream. It was the Nashville sound, Little Richard. Okay, and uh, I'm s- I can't. <laughs> you said that in the in the video I showed. It was a lot of pictures of Pat Boone, and you said that it looked like he disrespected women because of the pictures. <laughs> I do remember that. And you know what? I kind of stand, stand by that it. based That's off of fine. the pictures that I saw. That's not the correction corner. You, s- I said, like, maybe we shouldn't say that. And you said it's okay to talk bad about him because he's dead, which is wrong for many reasons. Because he's not Most dead. importantly, <laughs> because he is not dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's actually pretty funny. Second of all, because we still probably shouldn't talk bad about him. Well, he could defend himself. <laughs> What's his name? Pat Boone. Pat Boone, if you hear this. <laughs> Mika's coming for you. <laughs> no, I'm inviting him to our home to clear his name based on how he responds to me, a woman. We can figure <laughs> out. I also just just, just want to make clear. Oh, man. We do not know that Pat Boone doesn't respect women. We don't know that. That is just something Mika threw out there. Hold on, I want to see a picture of him again. So we cannot say that for sure, and I wanted that to be included. He's probably a very lovely gentleman. <laughs> He's nice to people. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'll I'll show you an Man. old picture of him. There's Pat Boone. Oh, that see, he looks cute right there. Yeah. Uh, maybe there, it's the big. There he is I with think his maybe wife. It's the I guess. Big glasses. His <laughs> wife looks great. Oh, this is from the same night. And there's a little Pat Boone. Okay. He, I mean, yeah. I guess it's unfair <laughs> of me to single him out specifically as someone who doesn't respect <laughs> women. Probably most of the men that we've seen yeah. <laughs> don't respect it, women. Probably including little Richard. Pat Boone, I'm really sorry. You and, and he your is wife also look like a lovely most couple. Most importantly, he is not dead. Not dead. <laughs> he is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to clear that up. Oh my in our god! Corner. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I told you it wasn't that bad. I was so nervous just, that I said something completely insensitive because you know what? I know I have. You just slandered a poor old gentleman who was just doing his best. Oh, uh, <laughs> but you know it's fine. Listen, I'm trying. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all we have. Oh, God. If you 
picked up on anything we got wrong in this episode, let us know so we can. How did you did you Google him? I did. I okay. When I was editing, I heard you say that, and I was like, I, don't <laughs> I was like, I don't know if he's dead. First of all, so I Googled it and saw he was still alive as of the time of this recording. You know. No. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. We're not. Things happen. That, we're not pulling that juju into this. Okay. No. Okay. He's still alive. <laughs> no. All right. So we're going to do Hank Williams next week, and then we get into rock. We get to do a couple rock episodes, which I is fun. I rock and roll. Goodness. Da, 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 <laughs> in the jukebox, baby. Put another dime in the jukebox, baby. Rock and roll. All right. Anything else you want to add? I feel like I should never speak <laughs> again, actually. <laughs> Can't wish death on nice old men anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, we will... I mean, I can't say we'll see you next. We'll see you when we see you. We're trying for two weeks. Follow us on Twitter. So I will start posting. <laughs> follow us on Twitter so you'll know if we're missing a week or if we posted that week. She says after she vows to never speak anymore, <laughs> she's going to shit post on Twitter. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we will see you guys when we manage to get an episode up. Bye. Once was mine. Now.